You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Again, like, you know, you never know where opportunity comes from. I made my way. I ended up here, right? I ended up in New York working in the Broadway community. That was not, you know, the specific goal. I did not try to go from here to here to there. Welcome to the Black Business of Broadway, a podcast brought to you by the Broadway League and Black to Broadway. Here, we highlight the stories, how-tos, and successes of the Black professionals and legends of Broadway. I'm your host, Janine Scott. Today, I'd like to welcome our guest, Danny Barlow, a theater manager who serves as the Director of Stage Directors and Choreographers Foundation here in New York City. Prior to SDCF, Danny served as the Interim Associate Producer at Woolly Mammoth Theater in Washington, D.C. She received her Master of Fine Arts in Theater Management from Yale School of Drama in 2020. During that time there, though, she held several positions. She was an associate director of development and alumni affairs. She was a company manager and a fellow at Steppenwolf Theater Company. Most recently, Danny was featured as one of American Theater Magazine's 10 Rising Black Women to Watch in Theater. Danny, I'm so excited Hi. to have you here today. <laughs> Thank you, Janine. I'm really happy and um, uh, honored to be asked to be here. So thank you. Oh, my goodness. So I want to go ahead and I want to just I want to jump right in if you're good with that. Please do it. So did you always know that you wanted to work in the business side of theater? I did not. I, like many, I grew up in a, um, grew up doing theater. I was a musical, the- I was in a musical theater troupe from the age of like eight to 18. So I would like go around. I grew up in Maryland. I went around the DMV, like dancing, singing, acting, you know, doing musicals at school, doing musicals outside of school. So I was like a very, very strong performer, theater lover. Um, So I grew up in theater, doing theater. Um, But it wasn't until college, really the end of college, that I realized that I could do business and theater together. I went into school as a performer uh, and learned quickly that I, uh, I, I didn't have the muscle to do the 
the, the kind of hustle <laughs> of being a performer. Um, but uh, so quickly pivoted to directing, but I also was double majoring in business. And I started to realize that there are things that I could do that connected. And I was like, oh, they're jobs that like someone has to make the theater happen right and that didn't happen naturally there weren't classes in school about this but by the time I got to the end I realized that there were like someone had to make the theater run um and I and it piqued my interest in terms of like how I could combine like an interest and a love together you know what there are so many people and even I've been I've been noted saying this on um throughout the podcast I had no idea that their arts administration was a career. Yep, yep, 100%. And that's part of why we, we're doing this podcast and highlighting these jobs because so many of us don't know that it's a career. We think, okay, I have a passion for the arts. I was a dancer, I wanna dance, I'm gonna dance. That's what I'm gonna do. And then I guess it's sort of what you said is like, I'm like, I don't have the energy <laughs> to, to do this grind. What is interesting is that the shows get on the stage because there are people on the business side who get them there. So there's actually, I've been having a lot of conversations recently about how there is a creativity in our work. People have been asking, you know, you know, uh, are you an artist? Like what I call myself an artist. Mm -hmm. And I personally, as a manager, um, I would call myself artistic. Mm. I would call myself creative. I don't know that I, now I do not speak for all managers, all administrators. I consider myself to be artistic and creative, which is why I can have an opinion and feel like I am informed when potentially I am deciding or in the room when you're deciding artistic endeavors or types of shows that theaters should be doing or how to do them. But I think that there is something that, you know, there's art and then there's business, right? Mm -hmm. But like our art is a business. And I think that there is something, um, you know, that feels like it's not creative or not artistic about the business side, but I think there's a lot of artistry and creativity in it, so. I agree with you 100%. I agree with you 100%. When you, there is a finesse to this side and there's mm -hmm. a, there's a, there's a dance that has to be done with navigating everything with navigating the creative piece and navigating the managerial and the business side and i think you have to be you have to know both worlds in order to speak to both um so i think you have to be somewhat creative in order to do this arts administration work because it really does take both sides of your brain yeah absolutely Absolutely, that's right. So what are like your responsibilities as, you know, as the foundation's director? Sure. So, yeah, so SDCF, for, for folks who don't know, um, is the Stage Directors and Choreographers Foundation, which is the nonprofit of the union for stage directors and choreographers. So we're super small, um, but our goal is to support stage directors and choreographers throughout their careers. So that looks like programming, public programming. We give out awards. Um, we have a podcast, you know, there's a ton of, there's a ton of stuff that we do. And my job as the director is to both vision and execute. So um, the visioning is there are so many directors and choreographers, both in New York City and throughout the country, and there's a lot more need than there is, 
you know, resources to give. And so I have to make decisions about what's the focus, what's our priority right now. It's all a priority. It's all right, important. Right. We want to support every single director and choreographer across the country if we could, right? But we have limited resources and limited time, and there are a lot of individuals. So part of my job is visioning what what are, what are the, our goals? What are we trying to accomplish? And ha what's the best way to do that? And then also executing them so that whatever we decide we want to do, both myself and the board, then how to actually execute those things through like the kind of specific programming um, and resources that we provide. So one of the programs that you have is the Lloyd Residency Program. Yeah, um, it's the Lloyd Richards New Futures Residency Program, okay. uh, a lengthy name, uh, but uh, named after a really important um, director in the American theater, Lloyd Richards. Um, and this program is uh, something that uh, started in 2020, and it was it sprung out of a big report that SDC and SDCF did called the Next Stage Report, which is super interesting, but it kind of tracks the um, livelihoods of stage directors and choreographers, and one of the big things that came out of it was, um, you know, mid-career artists and artists of color are not getting the support that they should be getting, mm -hmm. right? There's, you kind of hit a, a ceiling and you can't get from smaller stages to larger stages. Right. You can't get continual learning, things like that. And so with all of that, the, the foundation made a commitment to, um, to create a residency that would support mid-career artists, directors, and choreographers of color um, to figure out what, what one of the needs were, right? There's, again, always a lot of need. Right. But so this one specifically focuses on a year-long residency with a director or choreographer of color and an artistic director. Because one of the things that we realize is that there are a ton of artistic director positions opening up across the country, and folks are understanding the inequities that are in who's being represented in those positions and they're like we want to bring you on mm -hmm. right but they're not being set up for success because either they don't have the experience and so they're not getting hired or they don't have the experience put in the position and could be set up to not succeed because they are not being given the support or any kind of onboarding or opportunity right. to learn and fail right and so this residency specifically focuses on giving someone an opportunity to spend a year with an artistic director as part of an artistic team to learn about the business, how the institution works, and how to also be creative in the art, and how to manage all the priorities of running an organization at the same time so that they can say that they've had some experience and some access to those types of conversations right. and hard questions and challenges um, that they can bring into them whenever they're looking into artistic leadership moving forward. That's awesome. Yeah. Throughout your career, you've like held many roles within theater management. <laughs> you've been a company manager, uh, associate yeah. director of development and alumni affairs, and an associate producer. Can you describe the differences between the positions that you've held and why it's so important that you, and I say you, I mean you as a black woman, are there mm. in those roles? Yeah, you know, that, uh, I feel like kind of explaining even each of those positions could take me like yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> But what I will say is that, you know, again, I think that there's this idea that it's like they're the performers on the stage 
and their directors and their designers and like what the audience sees is like what's on the stage. And there are like so many positions, like every business, right? You need marketers, mm-hmm. you need people to raise money, you know, you need people to manage the art. Like there's so many different positions that you hold. And I think that they all kind of hit different aspects mm-hmm. of like how a business runs. And so one of the things, um, just like the difference between these positions, right? One supports the artist, one supports the raising of funds so that we can do the work, right? right? One is about making sure that the work is happening and there's communication between all the different players to make sure that the vision gets up on the stage from page to stage, right? right? And so it kind of runs the spectrum. And I think that your question about why it's important that I specifically am in those roles is that, you know, when we are working with artists that come from a wide variety of backgrounds, very diverse, you know, and, and they're like, this is the important thing. We want to we put it on our stage. It is equally as important that the folks are in all of the rooms that are putting the work on stage are reflected and, uh, you know, racially, mm-hmm. gender, ethnicity, you know, like there has to be not homogeny on the backside even if it looks good on the front side because it ends up with issues mm-hmm. on the back end, mm-hmm. right? That you either do or don't feel as an audience member, but making sure that artists feel comfortable and they feel safe and they feel like they can say the things that they need to say, right? You know, I, I was the company manager for a, um, a production of Twelfth Night that was predominantly black artists, right? Conversations about hair and like things that you need. and. Now you should you should be able to talk to anyone about this, right? right? But in but having me in that role as a black woman made it easier for people to feel comfortable to me to say what they need, to be able to express things maybe in a way that doesn't have to feel so coded. They can just speak truthfully and honestly, and like what a comfort I would think that that would be to someone, right? Mm-hmm. And the other thing that I get to do in these positions is I can set standards, I can set protocol, I can set you know things so that then the people who are coming behind me, regardless of how they identify, mm-hmm. now need to meet that, especially if it's been positive, right? If people are like, oh, we really liked when Danny did blank, then like, then you should also do that, you know? Right. And so that will kind of help being able to be in these different roles in these different positions. I have a power um, opportunity and responsibility to make sure that whomever I am serving feels seen, feels comfortable, feels respected, and that part of the thing that I do is I put myself, I have put, I have chosen to put myself in predominantly white spaces, and I am, and part of my role is navigating all of these conversations so, so that my hope and desire is that artists of color are getting access to resources because I have made space to make them comfortable to do so, that I have made space that they are able to have those conversations and everyone is prepared for them. You know, I, I can't do it all, but that is my yeah. goal. That is my, that is, that is my, um, uh, my my purpose for putting myself in those spaces. And that audience is why she was named one of the 10 rising black women to watch in theater. <laughs> no, seriously, seriously. I mean, you were, you were named that, you, you, you are that. But I mean, that passion and what you said about being purpose, being purposeful, and putting yourself in spaces where there may be low to no representation, 
Yep. It strikes. It strikes. It strikes a real chord because, oh God, the overused thing, you know, to quote Hamilton, you got to be in the room where it happens, right? Yeah. But you also have to yeah. be able to stay in that room. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that is mm-hmm. an art. Yeah. Yeah. It's not, it's not easy. And I think that, you know, my, again, it's like, there are a lot of places that have a lot of resources and my hope and desire is that the folks who deserve should have access to those resources, get them. And it's really not the first step is getting the play in the door. The first step is, you know, someone saying yes to the opportunity and say, right. Mm -hmm. And then it's like, then it's like everything that comes after that, right? Right. And everyone in the organization has an impact on what that experience is like for artists. And so being able to, you know, it's one of the reasons why I want to keep putting myself in leadership positions because then I have the um, ability, Mm -hmm. I have the opportunity to, you know, set precedent, make changes, be really thoughtful about how I feel... um, uh, something should go. And I can be in communication with the artists I feel that should be represented through in these opportunities. And that, and that, and there's a, there's a strength in that. There's a, uh, there's a power in that. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So can you talk about the importance of networking and mentorship and how that has impacted or made an impact, you know, on your career? Sure, absolutely. I mean, it is it is all made a like real direct impact on kind of every part of my career like since I got out of college. Um I think that one of the big uh, there're two big things that I would say. One is that um th- you never know who knows someone, mm-hmm. right? And so I think that you all, you know, there's an idea. I think I had an idea of like what I was going to do with my life, how I was going to get there. Like I had all these plans and I was like, I'll go from A to B to C. And like, that is not what happened. Right. In like the most wonderful ways actually. But a lot of it was because I was doing my work, right. I was, I was into my work and then someone said, Oh, Hey, could you come do this thing? And I was like, okay. And so someone I knew, and then I go over here, but it's not who I expected. Mm -hmm. It was not the person that I was working to be, right? But because you, you know, there is always opportunity, even if it's not in the thing that you're expecting that you want to do. There, it, it doesn't hurt to be kind. It doesn't hurt to be nice. And it doesn't hurt to, like, do your job well, right? Mm-hmm. Because people take notice of that. And so I think that this idea of, you know, when you find yourself in spaces, even if you're not hearing people say, oh, I'm doing the exact thing that you want to be doing, you never know where an opportunity comes from. So that that's kind of happened throughout my career and kind of in the most specific way that happens often is that I met um, the executive director of SDC in grad school and she reached out to me about the opportunity that I'm in now, kind of in an, in an interim capacity and then I applied to you know hold the position formally. Um, but that came from that came from um, networking, right? right? That came from me following up and saying that, like, you are someone that I think is smart. You're someone that I think um, I continue to learn from. And I wasn't looking for a job at the time. You know, mm-hmm. it was just 
if you run into someone that you think vibes with you, it is worth keeping the connection. It is before you need something, you know, and that will, and you just never know what, you never know what comes from that. So I, you know, I would just say that the networking piece of it is kind of like, you never know who knows whom. You know, if something is interesting or exciting to you, follow it, right? right? Take the things take time. So don't, if the first conversation doesn't lead to anything, that doesn't mean it's nothing. You know, I think that all of that is really important. And then just in terms of mentorship, I think that that, um, you know, it's a tricky thing because I think that sometimes people um, hope that mentorship will allow them to just get on whatever path that the mentor was on. I think that you're like, ah, if I just get the mentor, they will tell me exactly how to get to the thing that that you want mm-hmm. that is exactly mm-hmm. what they have, mm-hmm. right? And I think that the beauty of mentorship, um, kind of uh, like high level to wherever you are, yeah. if you're looking up, you know, I think that there is such an opportunity um, to learn what they have learned from their experiences that you can take with you, as opposed to necessarily being like, then you just apply for this, and then you do this thing, and then you do this thing. I think there's so much knowledge to be learned from folks who have done things that you're interested in, what they learned, so you can either, so you either don't make the same mistakes, or you can figure out how to navigate the opportunity. So I think there is that kind of like up, down, if you will, mm-hmm. mentorship. And then there's also like peer-to-peer mentorship. When you're going through things together, I, I also think there's an opportunity in that as well. And that is something that should be um, um, thought about just as important, like it, that's just as important right, right. as kind of like, oh, oh, you know, someone who is more experienced than you, that type of mentorship. I think there's value in both. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com wonder. This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Window. Your work can take you all over the place, like Texas. You've never been, but it's going to be great because you're staying at La Quinta by Wyndham. Their free bright side breakfast will give you energy for the day ahead. And after, you can unwind using their free high-speed Wi-Fi. Tonight, La Quinta. Tomorrow, you shine. Book your stay today at LQ.com. You know, you mentioned two things. One, not being afraid to say yes to opportunity. And sometimes mm-hmm. our fear, you know, it, it stands it stands in the way of us being able to say yes. When you come from a marginalized group, that fear, that fear of instability becomes very real. And the other yeah. thing that you mentioned that I'd also like to, to hit a little bit on is, you know, the networking and things like that. Well, what if you're not in the tri-state area? Or what if you don't, or you feel like you walk into a room and you, and you're like, I don't know anybody. Can you talk a little bit about how one could network? I will say that I went to a college where everyone after college, almost, almost, who worked, who was in theater went to New York. Mm. I'm from Maryland. I did not go to New York. I was not ready to go to New York. I didn't know what I wanted to do. I will be completely honest. I don't know that I expected to be here, mm-hmm. right? Like I was interested in theater 
kind of period, right? Not necessarily New York specific theater. And so I did my work in DC. And I think that, you know, I'll just say kind of generally, you again, like, you know, you never know where opportunity comes from. I made my way, I ended up here, right? I ended up in New York working in the Broadway community. That was not, you know, the specific goal. I did not try to go from here to here to there, right? But because I was in DC doing my work, the, our theater community, it feels vast because it, 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 it covers the whole country internationally, but it, it, is, it is actually quite small, right? Like at, at the end of the day, so many people know people. And so doing my work well, in DC is what got me here, right? And so I think that the networking, you know, if you don't know anyone, there is, you know, I've been thinking a lot about curiosity, be curious, right? If you meet someone, just be, if they're saying something that's interesting, be curious, right? Like just, I think it takes that like first step to walk up to someone and say, hi, you know, like I'm here at the, I've either been invited to this event, I've decided to come to this event, if you had that idea, other people had that idea, so they are there for the same purpose as you are. You know, I think that, again, when you run into people that you uh, think are interesting, try to keep in touch with them, mm -hmm. right? Even if you don't have a ton to share, every six months, once a year, just check in. You never know, you know? And again, like, I spent a majority of my career up to, uh, you know, up to grad school in D.C., so I, I, I was not in the tri-state area, but I had, I was making connections and I was working in the theater in DC. And that led me to get connected and suggested that I apply to grad school, that connected me to, you know, mm -hmm. so these, these things come in ways that you may not um, imagine. No path is linear, and I think especially today, the way that theater's even being, everything is getting kind of like upended, mm -hmm. rewritten, changed. And so this idea of being like, we all do A, then we all do B, then we all do C, it's just like not the, it's, it's not how, how it really works anymore, right? Exactly. There are certain things that'll continue to be true, going to grad school, working in specific offices, like those things will continue to be true. And there are so many other ways to get access. I think the way that the internet works, mm -hmm. right? Like there are so many things that connect us, you know, across the country and the world that you, you don't have to be only in New York to, to, to be in New York. You can, there are many ways to get yourself there right. over time in your career. And you have lots of time, right. lots right. of time. And you don't even have to be in a large metropolitan city. You know, yeah. I mean, we cannot overlook regional theater. I came from Omaha, Nebraska. I mean, we are, we're a pack, we're a performing arts center, but we can't overlook, you know, these regional theaters and the work that is being done across, across the globe, really. Um, Absolutely. Can you talk a little bit, you, you've mentioned grad school a couple of times, can you talk a little bit about the importance and what skills or training that you learned from grad school that's helped you to advance uh, your career? Yeah, so, you know, I think one of the things that is tricky these days is that they're not a lot, uh, you know, there's not a lot of opportunities to try and fail. Mm -hmm. And one of the biggest gifts that grad school gave me um, was the ability to try and 
you know, fit, you know, right. am I going to say I failed over and over again? Not necessarily, but like I had the ability to try and kind of see where it landed, what worked, what didn't in the way that I manage, in the way that I operate, in the way that I, you know, how, how I want to do my work, you know, how I want to lead, how I want to be a manager. And so, you know, I found myself interested in going to grad school because you do not have to go to grad school. Right. You don't have to go to grad school for a career. But I went to grad school because I was sitting at my desk kind of like ready to think about like the bigger problems of the theater. And I wanted to kind of just like level up. Like I wanted to jump from a entry level position to a leadership position. Right. And I knew that grad school could help me do that right. quick, quickly, you know. And so um, what uh, Yale did specifically was allowed me to learn a bunch in the classroom, but then we had these professional work assignments, which is how I was the company manager, which is how I was the associate director, you know, mm -hmm. of development. And I was able to try things. So the things that I was learning in school about leadership and management, I then got to implement them in a space that had real stakes because Yale Repertory Theater is a very real regional theater. Yeah. And at the end of the day, I was also a student. So I had some fail safes in there, mm -hmm. right? Like I had some opportunities to try things and learn and grow. So then by the time I was coming out of school, I felt pretty confident in myself as a manager, right? Myself as, uh, as, a, as a leader. And so, and I will be a lifelong learner. I am not like, I learned everything in three years. I got no problems. Exactly. But like, I think that I the biggest like skills and takeaways from school were being able to develop my, you know, in the same way that artists do develop my craft, like how I want to be. And I had opportunities to try things and be like, Oh, that doesn't work. Okay. Like, here's why that's tricky. And then by the time I got out, I felt comfortable being like, here are the things that I'm well equipped to do. Um, and kind of in whatever position I find myself in. Oh, it's, yeah. You know what? There are, as you're telling, as you're saying this, and you're telling, I'm thinking of several individuals that I know that have come out of school undergrad and mm -hmm. are still trying to find themselves. And I'm like, have you looked at grad school? It gives you an extension, and it gives you that opportunity of exactly what you said. You get to try sure. with yeah. the safety net. Yeah. Exactly, exactly. And and I think that, you know, I'm sure a lot of people have heard this, which is like, if you could do anything other than theater, you should do that because it's so hard and it's so that, like, we all hear that, mm -hmm. right? And I'm like, and so that opportunity made me go, you're going to spend three years just doing theater. And so if by the end of that, you decide that's not what you want to do, like, you'll learn pretty quickly if this is if, if this is what you want and by the end i was like nope this is this is what i want you know and that's really helpful so that kind of like developing and learning about yourself and how you want to move in the industry and what you think your your kind of like goals are mm -hmm. really crystallize themselves throughout those you know grad school is one way in which to do that absolutely so yeah. my final question and it's the last question yeah. we ask all of our guests it is sure. what one piece of advice would you like to share with the black future leaders of Broadway? One piece of advice. I think I would say, you know, um, be curious, be like, always be a student. I think that, um, you know, put, put yourself in spaces where you want to be until you are like, I can't be, or I need to make my own space. There are so many ways to get um, 
into and be a part of the Broadway community. I think that when you find what you are passionate about, like go for it, be curious about all aspects of how that thing works, because that is going to give you the best chance of finding yourself where you want to be, where you need to be, where you're going to have the most impact. So I think that this, you know, the curiosity is really important. And I think that staying true to yourself. So again, be in the spaces that you feel you need to be in, but also know when to tap out and say, this is not where I need to be. I got to be over here. I got to be over there. And just uh, allow yourself to, con- you can always learn like there's there's always so much to learn and and it, you know it's it's lifelong so um, just be curious. One hundred percent agree. One hundred percent agree. I want to thank our guest and you, our listeners. You could have been doing anything else, but you chose to spend your time with me, and I am grateful. Be sure to subscribe at bpn.fm/bbb so you'll never miss an episode. While you're at it, tell a friend. I'm your host, Janine Scott, and we at the Broadway League hope you enjoyed this episode of the Black Business of Broadway. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theater Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theater professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.